welcome to Season 3 of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected, where we share inspiring stories with artists and art professionals on a wide range of topics about life and work. We share ideas on our inspirations and the influences that affect our lives. I sit down with artists and thought leaders across the diaspora to learn more about the things that make them tick, the ideas that they are passionate about, and the ways in which their work seeks to impact our society in a variety of ways. Join us as we continue the journey of sharing the interesting and inspiring stories of some of today's most dynamic artists and art professionals in the industry. Let's go! On this episode, I'm joined by Reginald Sylvester. Reginald Sylvester works predominantly in abstraction, making large-scale paintings and sculptures, which often include found objects. Reginald has his first solo show open right now at Robert's Projects in Los Angeles when we sit down to talk about his work and art practice. The show, T-1000, features new and interconnected sculptures and paintings. In his latest series, he transcends the original canvas, discovering novel models of the creative process through experimentation with and investigation into physical, industrial, and spiritual engagements with rubber, steel, and aluminum. Let's dive into my next episode with Reginald Sylvester. Reginald Sylvester, I'm so happy to have you join me on an episode of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected. Really looking forward to chatting with you today. Same, same, same. Congrats on all your previous podcasts. They've been amazing, even all your incredible guests. So thanks for having me. Definitely. It's a pleasure and looking forward to getting into the conversation. So let's jump right in. I know you were down in Miami recently. We were both down there last week. Prior to, you had the opening of your show, T1000, in LA at Roberts Projects. It's your first solo on the West Coast. And I know you're a West Coast native. So obviously that must be a full circle moment for you. So just want to ask... A little bit about the show, T-1000, and sort of how you're feeling now that the show's been open for a bit and you had that homecoming on the West Coast. Yeah, the show was, was really amazing. It was definitely a homecoming. I had a lot of family that came out and supported me, a lot of friends. But just as important, it was amazing to get this exhibition that I had been working on for some time and actually see it realized. And I, I guess I would say not even exhibition I've been working on for some time because I don't necessarily make or paint for shows. I kind of just make and kind of process things throughout the studio. And then when a show has presented itself or when a show is coming up, I start to really hone in on what I want to exhibit. And for me, what was really exciting was the scale of the show and me, me being able to, for the first time, really work on larger scale paintings as well as, well as sculpture. Yeah, that's a really good segue to talk about the fact that you have roots in painting, but are very much interested more and more these days in sculpture and how your practice is evolving in that regard. Can you talk maybe briefly about some of the things about sculpture that appeal to you right now in your in your work? I'm thinking a lot about scale, but I'm also thinking about sculpture in terms of it being a byproduct of the paintings. And so prior to my ideals or thoughts on sculpture, I always kind of felt like I needed to have this kind of singular dialogue, right, with form pertaining to sculpture. But funny enough, through working, the sculpture and the forms have came from the paintings and came by way of 
working my way through the paintings and my aesthetics and sensibilities through painting. And so I guess for me, in my language kind of starting in that space, it's really, it's really kind of brought me to this point by where I don't want to necessarily force sculpture right. I'm not naturally a sculptor. As I continue to break, make breakthroughs through my painting process, more sculpture and more forms will reveal itself. And I think it's really been really cool that my process in making has this autonomy where everything's kind of connected. So by way of drawings, relinquish ideas surrounding painting, and then by way of painting, relinquish form or ideas surrounding sculpture. And that way, everything kind of has this connectivity to itself. I love that. I would like to back up and talk a little bit about you speaking to the fact that your sculpture is coming from the lineage of your paintings. And we've had many conversations over the time that we've known each other and talked about a number of different things. But one of the things that you've mentioned about this show in particular and about your studio and about place and about grounding your work is the use of your materials, right? And how sculpture is birthed out of what is happening in your painting practice and in your in your work as a, as a painter. Could you talk a little bit about your use of material? Could you talk a little bit about your use of materiality and how your sculpture is informed by that? Sure. I started to use the excess from the paintings, right? So when I was primarily working in canvas, I started to use kind of the debris and the leftovers from the canvas, whereby if I'm working with canvas on roll, I'm left with tearing and ripping and kind of the threading of that material of the cotton canvas and that really started to make me think about by waste or waste products and also made, made me think about me using the waste and using a material that is coming from my studio that kind of opened up my the, the ideas of well i need to start maybe using materials that are directly relation have a direct relationship to where my studio is and the neighborhood that I'm in and my studio is in a very industrial neighborhood. So I started to react to the to, to environment that I was working in. <clears throat> that caused me to start visiting different hardware shops and places that sold industrial materials whereby I started to bring elements or things into the studio and started to try to build a dialogue or relationship with those materials. And, Rubber was one of those kind of first or preliminary materials that I started to have a dialogue with or that I brought in. And rubber, as we know, I mean, we have it on our sneakers. We see it in cars. It's also in, in the industrial kind of landscape as far as in terms of industrial businesses or industrial production. And me kind of thinking about this material in terms of painting or its, an, its relationship with any liquid material and how liquids really, rubber naturally repels liquids. But me kind of using it in a way by where I'm kind of forcing these two elements that naturally repel each other. I'm actually finding a way to marry them together and for them those materials to have a relationship together. But again, it's just been really about kind of working with material that had a tactility, that had a previous history, but that also had this kind of aesthetical, this kind of aesthetical thing that I liked about it. And and also a material that kind of spoke to my own personal sensibility and how I wanted how, how I want my work to kind of mature and come about. So by way of using rubber, it's kind of been this 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 material that I've really been also been it's been teaching me outside of using paint and brushes. What's kind of changed my whole process, the way I'm applying paint to the rubber surfaces, and even the gestures that I'm using on the rubber surfaces. These are not gestural paintings. These are more minimal paintings that, for me, they start to kind of grapple with the ideas of sculpture and painting or ready-made and painting. No, definitely. And I think what you're speaking to is that, and you've mentioned it in other um, interviews in light of the show, T1000 at Robert's Projects, that you are confronting a lot of different interests in this show. And I really would love to speak a little, I would love to hear you speak to us a little bit about where you see yourself having done a lot of 
evolving in this show and the evolution of your work and the evolution of you as an artist, what would you say is really a departure in this show from what people have seen previously, especially with people who are familiar with your work and can kind of see it and recognize it and be like, oh yeah, that's Reggie's work. What I mean? Yeah, I think I, I don't see any departures. I see more so of a continuation and more of a development and thought. But I do think maybe from someone outside looking in, that has been viewing my work for some time. I'm known as a gestural painter, or the terms of a painter's painter. A great collector once told me, great painting always wins. And I believe in that. I think great painting is, it should open. For me, at least, I want great painting or painter's painting to be the foundation of my, of my process in making. But I think for me, the show is a continuation of thoughts and ideas surrounding painting because as gestural painting or abstraction is a foundation for me, also I have a, a huge interest in materiality and, and um, conceptual ideas. And so for me to be able to kind of bring in gestural works, but then I also show my thinking or my ideas surrounding conceptual ideas, I think it's really important. And I think I'm giving people more of a deeper look, not only is it me and my personal sensibilities, but what I'm thinking about in terms of painting or what can exist as a painting. And I think that's important. I, I, I recently was, was reading, somebody had said that they felt before, when they first walked into the show, they felt underwhelmed because they felt it wasn't what they initially was, was thinking the show was going to be. But as they walked around the, 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 the ex exhibition, that underwhelming started to get devoured by what was around them. And I think this is a show for me, which is which I think all shows should have. This is a show that the, you shouldn't be able to confront what's in front of you from face value. You should have to take time with the show. You should have to take time with the work. If you are interested in an artist, an artist should have create a show that allows you to visit it assess it but want to have to feel like you need to go back again because that also speaks to the way in which i'm making the work or any artist is making work we're not making works in one sitting we're we're putting something down or putting something together we're assessing it we're leaving we're coming back and we were working it and i want to make the viewer i want to make their mind and their body and with hopes their spirit do the same exact thing. And so, yeah, I guess that's to answer your question. People thought, hey, this was going to be, Reggie was on his first show in Los Angeles. This is going to be this gestural painting show. And you walk in and it's this very minimalist show. Yeah, I mean, I think that that speaks to your obvious commitment to continue to experiment and push yourself and develop your develop a language to d illustrate and describe your interests as a creator and as an artist through visual language, right? And all of the things that are inspiring you and that you're thinking about, you speak of, we've spoke at length about spirituality, about God, about ancestry, about your use of material, about the environment, about where your studio is, about what you see around your studio, about the artists and other things that you're reading and consuming and sort of sponging. And all of these things influence and impact us. And I, I think that what's so wonderful about you as an artist and as a person is that if what what comes up what comes through to me is that you strike me as somebody who's really fearless and truly unafraid to try new things and i think that 
oftentimes, and I've talked about this at length on the show and off the show, just about the ideas of sort of working for the market and working for the industry as opposed to truly having a singular vision and working towards that. So could you speak a little bit about that that freedom to experiment and try and how that is also a part of, of, of your work? For sure, for sure. I'm glad you brought that up too. I look at being an artist. Well, at first I think it's calling yourself an artist is something you must earn. I don't think it's something, I don't take it as anything like whether you're making money from it or not. And it's a brave endeavor. But I do I do, I do think about having a relentless relationship with making. And as being an artist of color, some don't like to consider themselves artists of color. I am a black man making paintings, so I'm not going to run away from that that notion. But I think, what's the word? Refusal is what is oftentimes used. I'm not refusing anything, but I am being resilient. And I think in being a resilient individual, or a resilient maker, you have to continue to push your practice, your process, however you may categorize it or describe it. And so for me, I'm constantly evolving every day. And my work and my thoughts and my ideas surrounding making is evolving every day. And if I don't confront those thoughts and that and that want or need for evolution, then really what am I doing it for? I'm not, I don't want to do this for the market. I, I want to make until I'm old, Lord willing. But I want people to be able to see my see my endeavors or see my attempts or the way in which I'm approaching the canon and be able to see that I'm really investigating painting. I'm investigating making what can be made, what what an artist's interest or where an artist's interest can take him or her. That's really where I'm invested at. And so I try and be fearless with ideas that I have or concerns that I have or interests that I have. And, and I have to keep myself interested first beyond anyone else. So if something is comes easy or 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 boring if i'm why would i why would i bring that to the public i want to give my best self every time and so yeah i always when an idea strikes i go for it and what i've learned is every time i've made that move it's always led me to new processes new ways of making new ways of thinking and it always 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 cyclically goes back to gestural painting because at the end of the day i do want to become the strongest painter that I can be and have a strong relationship with the gesture that I can have. So even me kind of delving off into these more exploratory or more conceptual ideas, it always kind of leads me back to, okay, how can I be more inventive as a marksman? And so I think that's where I want that fearlessness, uh, where that fearlessness or uh, relentless attempts to kind of push my own boundaries uh, exist. Yeah, I love that. And I think for me, what there's so many things that I'm pulling up on, but the first part of your response was talking about the fact that you are a black man and you're a painter, right? And then you also spoke about the canon and how, and what I take away is how does one expand the canon, right? How does one expand the way we talk and think about, about the work, right? And who's expand doing the work the canon. at every opportunity, at every touch point, expand the canon. I think what's so brilliant is that we're halfway into the episode. You're, you're black, I'm black, we both identify as black, but it's not until the later half of the show that we're talking about the fact that you're a black artist. And so for me, that's the conversation can go one of two ways. It can be I'm centering my blackness as an artist, or it can be I'm centering myself as an artist who happens to be a person of color, a black person, however you wanna describe it. But I think that there's a lot of freedom that you are, how could I say, 
giving yourself by having this approach that is, I'm not just identifying as a black artist or an artist of color. I'm identifying as an artist who's interested in very particular things that have, some of which have already existed. And I'm interested in pushing those further and pushing those boundaries. 100%. The idea of being called a black artist or an artist of color sometimes seems by way of boxing someone in maybe, but I think we're very elemental. We're very celestial. Um, and I was also thinking about melanated skins or services in relation to industrial spaces or futurist spaces. This notion of deep brown or browns in relationship to silvers and chromes and metals. But to your point about us being halfway in the episode and kind of speaking about this, yeah, I think it's it's important. My my concerns are about the black experience, but maybe not from a so 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 much of a physical standpoint, but more so of a spiritual. And that's where I really want my work to kind of live and be front-facing. I'm, I'm speaking about the Black experience through spiritual, that from a spiritual lens opposed to a physical. And for me to do that, I have to continue to push and evolve whatever I'm interested in and concerned with. That way I can dig deeper into being able to speak about that. And it can't just rely in the gesture. There's many different forms of gesture. And so I'm trying to dig my way deeper into that. And even thinking about those in the canon who've pushed forward for us, right? The, the, the Jack Wittens and the Melvin Edwards and even now the Julie Morettus, the Simone Lays. So I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to find my way in which on how to push, yeah, push my way through or, or, or bring new ideals or concepts concerning form or within painting or without a painting to talk about the spiritual or the sublime. Because we go through a lot from a, from a spiritual place. Um, and yeah, that's just where I choose to kind of sit. Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. I want to talk. I mean, you've raised this point about spirit and spirituality. So, yeah, I feel like that's a perfect time to ask you a little bit about your own spirituality and sort of some of your own, maybe some of your beliefs. And then we can talk a little bit about how the work addresses it. Yeah, I believe in God, the most high ultimate creator. And I feel like relationship with the father is different than those of other people. That's why I love to use the word resilient, because for us to go through the things and the atrocities that we went through, we have to have some type of connection with the father like no other. And so I remember being when I was young, my father told me in, in everything that you do, your first offering should be to, 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 to God. And so for me, when I first found out about abstraction or was interested in abstraction, it very much so reminded me of the pursuit to heaven or getting into the kingdom of heaven or having faith. And so that was a meeting point for me to dedicate my process of making or my endeavors of making to my faith and wanting to get to this kingdom of heaven or to honoring God. And so it was, it's was it been very important to me to, to speak about things that we go through spiritually, things that, things that have happened to us through history and how that connects to the Bible or through scripture, and then bring that out through the existence of the work that I make. And so I'm, I'm always trying to make those parallels between how I exist spiritually in that way and, and, and where the work lives. You mentioned something in a cultured article that I really love and I feel very much resonates with me because 
I think we share a lot of similarities in the way that we think about spirit. Whether we practice the same things is not of, of consequence, but for me, I think this deep understanding that we are innately connected to spirit as a people is very much a part of how I li live my life. When you said, the more I evolve as a maker, the more minimal the work becomes. And I remember I was doing a yoga retreat in Portugal, and there was a young woman who was saying, I think what's so funny is that the world is always telling us that we need more whatever it is. But she's like, in moments like this, I recognize how little I truly need to, to be happy, to have a life that I'm proud of, to have the things in life that make me happy, to have a sense of happiness from within and an environment that helps to continue to cultivate and nurture that. And I wanted to hear you speak on that idea that as you go deeper within yourself, you realize that you need so much less than you think you need and that you actually probably have almost everything that you need within you. Right. 100%. Yeah, I, I, I do feel like as I mature as a maker, I'm, I get to more of a minimal or simpler place. And essentially, that's me uh, in pursuit of the sublime. And you're, you're looking for your nirvana. I'm looking for my nirvana. And I feel we're in an oversaturated time and stillness is very important. I think when you are still, it allows you to be able to be a lot more reflective on what's going on around you. And so with the work, as I evolve as a, as a man, I do have those same kind of sentiments. I don't need a lot. It's tempting to have a lot, especially when there's so much available to us. Right. But to have that kind of discipline and wisdom and understanding that, that, yeah, you might have all these things at your fingertips, but you really only need this anything past that is a want or a luxury and in terms of making my attempt is to not lack so to build up a surface that still incorporates all the energy and maybe the makeup of, of the complexities of what's going on around us but in a still space right. or a stiller or a stiller surface and i think that even on the spiritual in a spiritual sense that's really what i think any person trying to get to a calmer place in their life is really in search of, right? We want things to not be difficult. We want things to not be complex. We don't want things to be oversaturated. And even you asking me that question is bringing me or making me realize things about this show and this work. I'm using the word oversaturated. I pulled all the color out of this work, very black and white and gray. But yeah, I feel like we all, as you mature, that's what you want. My grandmother, my mom's mom, she's, her mama is what, 98 years old? And her life is just very still, but she's living long. I, I, as I mature and I hope the work continues to get more, a lot simpler, I hope it becomes a lot more minimal, but I still want to have that ignis that people may have seen or may have been, has been revered in my earlier work. I love that. And I think I want to talk a little bit about something that you said to me in preparation for us to record this episode, which was what you want to talk about. We talk about a lot of things and we have talked about a lot of things. So we could talk about your show. We could talk about you. We could talk about what you're interested in right now. All of those things are on the table. But one of the things that you said and you mentioned to me was wanting to talk about sensibility over style. Yeah. And I really want to hear you just reflect on what that means to you. Yeah. So personally, when I was anybody that's been paying attention to what I've been doing for the past 10 years, first of all, I'm honored for anybody to even be paying attention to the thing that I'm doing. But who's been interested in my work and what I'm doing, people have seen me kind of go through phases. I've, I've evolved and worked my way through my influences into where I am today. And I, at a certain point, I was very much so interested in or feeling like there was a lack in finding a voice or a style. 
And as materials, as I mature, materials start to teach me, I start to understand that way of style is not what I was in search of. It was more so of a sensibility. And in terms of having a sensibility, that means any and every material that I touch, when I start to build a relationship with that material, I'm going to react to that material differently. But if you put different works and different different works and where in which I've worked with different materials, there's still this singular sensibility that exists within the work. And that's where I'm most intrigued or inspired by or focused on is having a sense with material, having a sense with space, having a sense with the way I'm approaching space and materials and objects. And I think when I, and when I focus on that, the world or the possibilities start to open up. Now I'm not concerned with making something that looks like the last thing that I made or looks like something that I've done before. I'm, I'm, I'm purely focused on what is the relationship between myself and this material and whatever, however I react and my body and my mind reacts to this material, that is my sensibility. Mm. That all the artists that I've been able to be fans of or admire or even continue to learn about They've all had strong sensibilities. Janice Kunellis, David Hammonds, Richard Serra, um, OG Deaster Gates, the, the late the, the late Terry Atkins. They've had a, they have a sensibility. When they touch a material or they compose use materials or compose new materials, there's a sense there. There's a there's a there's there's a there's a there's an essence there with those with the way in which they're putting these things together and they're creating and they're molding these things. And that's why it's all open and they burst past the style. And so I am interested in, in that and refining that for myself. How can I get closer or have a stronger sensibility on on, on this earth? Maybe I might work beyond rubber and I might start working with glass or maybe I might start working with porcelain or maybe I might start working with different elements. I don't know. But whatever I'm in a situation with a material, if I let my body and my mind and my spirit kind of dance or have this kind of soft relationship with this material. And also let the material inform me too. I think that's what's been really cool about me working with rubber lately is that I'll make a gesture and somebody asks me in a painting that I have in the show called Scission. They said, well, how, did you anticipate that the rubber would ripple this way? And I said, no. But what I was faced with was when I stretched that rubber over the substrate with the aluminum beam and I made the incision, I was faced with the question, do I allow the rubber to exist the way in which I cut it? Or do I softly push the rubber back and, and, and see what happens? And then I respect the material for the way it's reacted to my gesture. And then that's where that's where the image starts to relinquish itself or the object starts to settle. And then I can make the decision or have the conversation with the material, whether I respect where it's at or do I want to push it further. And so I only can have that through sensibility. If I was focused on style, I'd be trying or I'd be forcing the material to do something that it may not naturally want to do. So I think having a sensibility is also having a romance with, with the things or the materials that you're working with. Yeah, and I want that romance with, 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 with my work. Yeah, I think what's coming up for me, and, and I, I love those descriptions and how you're illustrating that point of view, because with romance, letting the work do what it does and then reflecting back on it on for yourself. For me, the big word that's coming up is exchange. That it's not, a, it's nothing is one way. It's all two ways, right? It's you and the element, you and the piece, you and your environment, you and your studio, you and your audience, you and 
and the world, right? And so there's this exchange that is always happening where in order to get to the place that you're describing, you have to be open. You have to be open in your mind. You have to be open in your heart and you have to be willing and ready and able to accept that whatever is going to come back on the other side of that exchange may surprise you, may scare you, may delight you, may repulse you. You don't know, but that you're open to whatever it is and that that is how you become a better artist. And and then at the at the at the end of the day for me it's like the art is not for you, right? It's for the world. It's for people. It's for someone else to see it. It's like that saying <clears throat> and people reference this all the time. If a tree falls in a forest and no one hears it, does that mean it didn't happen? One could say yes, one could say no. Both of those things could be true at the same time. But the point that I would want to ground in is if there's not an audience to see what you're doing, then what's the point of it? If people cannot be impacted by the work, why are you making it? It's interesting you say that, too, because it makes me think. We also have conversations prior to about, well, how did you get here? And the art world's about evidence. So if you don't, if people don't see you do it, right? Or or they, it almost feels like... It didn't happen. Oh, I, can't, I, can't accept, I can't accept this. But hey, that's that's for that's for them to deal with it, not me. And I, and, and and I think and I guess I bring that up because back to like your previous question, my audience might have had a preconceived notion of what a show for me could look like, and then now you see this. I've been happy to hear some individuals have said, "Yo, man, this is such a standout show, or this is such an evolution." But it seems like a huge jump from where you last were. Well. Nobody was around when those the trees were falling. There's a lot of trees that fell in the forest before I got here. A thousand percent. Uh, a thousand percent. And I can't let that audience, well, sometimes maybe the market, define whether this is significant or not. I just have to just continue to make and put myself in those situations by where, like you say, I'm open. I want to continue to be open. But I like that you expanding about this duality. It makes me think a lot about, I was talking with a writer before the show opened and he was saying that there is this duality of the Gates forms. There are these two forms that make one complete work or there's this softness, but also this hardness about the show. And I'm also always thinking about diptychs or modular works and how it works, how different um, parts of a work can work together or break up the composition of a work. But I do think, I do think Scripture say two is better than one. Agreed, agreed. I think that that's such a high note to leave the episode on. Two is better than one. And for me, the sentiment that rings true there is you're stronger in community. And that African proverb is if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I feel like you are somebody who is holding such a beautiful torch and a pathway of this is how things can, this is how it could be done. If you wanted to be a risk taker, if you wanted to be fearless, if you want to just continue to push yourself and try new things, you can most definitely do that. I'm doing that. And I see so much of that in your practice and deeply, deeply appreciate it. Man, I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, as we round out, I just want to say thank you again, Reginald, for such an incredible, incredible episode. If you have any last words or want to say anything to the people, please feel free. But this was so, so wonderful. Uh, I just want to say thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for welcoming welcoming me on your platform. 
I'm excited for people to hear and Lord willing, people continue to stay interested in what I'm doing. I really appreciate it and feel humbled and honored. I love it. Thanks again. That was my episode with Reginald Sylvester. I want to give a big shout out and a big thank you to Reginald for joining me on the show. And it's a wrap, folks. That was our episode of Lightwork Presents Everything is Connected. Conversations on culture and current events with some of today's hottest creative contemporaries. These episodes are recorded wherever in the world that I find myself. May that be New York, LA, Miami, the continent, the Caribbean, Europe. Wherever it is that I find myself, I sit down with folks who are thought leaders, critical thinkers, and interested parties within the arts and beyond. These episodes reflect the times that we're living in while also adding some commentary to the social, cultural, and political issues of our world. Depending on where I am in the world at the time of our recordings, you will hear the sights and the sounds of our local environment throughout the U.S., West Africa, and beyond. I'm your host, Falashadi Logandudu, and we'll see you next time. As always, stay motivated, stay inspired, and stay up. Peace and love, y'all. We out.